You're very welcome to Wade In as we look back once again on all the on-course action from the weekend. Just gone a first Irish Oaks for Jessica Harrington at the Curra. Little Big Bear is going to win the Guineas next year and all the major results of note. Plus chips, dips, chains and whips. If you've seen the film Weird Science, you know exactly what I'm talking about there. If you haven't, you'll think I'm as odd as Tony Calvin. And all your listener questions answered as well in the company <laughs> of Kevin Blake. How are you, Kevin? How are you oh, enjoying yeah. this heat wave? How hot is it down in Golden there in County Tipperary? It's pretty hot, you, but I'm sat here in my, in my little office there with, with my Dyson fan from an earnest corn. So, yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> Yeah, that Dyson fan that you bought specifically for the one hot day we get once yeah, a year. Yeah, yeah. They laughed yeah. at me, Hugh. They laughed they at me. Laughed. Who's laughing now? Who's laughing now? <laughs> what about you, Tony Calvin? You're nice and cool up there in your little white t-shirt. All good? Yeah, I've I've, I've got this out of the fridge. Um, I bought this off Kilbegan Racecourse for 50 euros. Um, <laughs> and that's what's keeping me cool. So Tony, Tony's holding a bottle of water if you can't see him, which you can't. A bargain, a bargain, Kilbegan water. There must be something in the water in Kilbegan if they're charging money for it in this bloody heat wave. We'll talk about Scrooge McDuck later on. And who's responsible for that. But um, Vanessa, you have a lovely colour in your face. Uh, but how are you feeling physically after literally cycling the Tour de France route over the weekend? Oh, I'm, I'm not feeling great. I'm not going to lie. And do you know what? I'm not even going to pretend to be one of those people who will say after one of those big sort of physical exertions, oh, it was hell at the time, but it felt great afterwards. feels horrendous afterwards. <laughs> it felt horrendous at the yeah. time. I mean, and that is no over-exaggeration. Uh, honestly, it was way worse than I ever imagined. I was undercooked, underprepared, underfunded. The whole <laughs> thing was actually a disaster. And I hated every single minute of it. So, this time yeah. next year, this time next year, no, 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 absolutely but, not. I'm done. But I'll tell you what, loyal listeners of the Betfair podcast, go on to Vanessa's social media there, you'll find the link to it. Go on and give a few quid for this because uh, racing welfare. Because I spoke to a pal of mine that did it who, who's a fit fella, like marathon runner, fit fella, and he said, absolutely horrific, over the top, horrific, like hills that you wouldn't that you wouldn't fucking drive up. Like yeah. horrendous. So these, so these, these fine people that uh, that that put themselves through this, uh, send 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 on a few quid to race and welfare because. But the sounds of it, it was absolutely horrendous. It's all right, it's all right, Kev. You can name me. Talk about marriage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was saving you. I was saving your modesty. Oh, TC. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. thanks. Thanks. Any donations would be hugely appreciated. Well, well done. Racing welfare. Well so, done. Yeah. You're you're a stronger person than I am. I can tell you that much. Because well, I, we knew that before. Right. 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 That's true. Yeah. That's true. If anybody wants to sponsor me, if anyone wants to sponsor me, I'll be going to sit beside the seaside there for an hour today. So. On Vanessa's donation, you can, you can sponsor me for sitting by the seaside. Red haired man exposing Correct. himself to direct yeah. sunshine for yeah. an hour. Bosco, Bosco lookalike spotted down the Greystones Beach. Right. Okay. Let's crack on, shall we? Um, look, it wasn't a vintage weekend of racing, but I guess we should start with the Irish Oaks uh, and Jessica Harrington. A nice win for Magical Lagoon. Kevin, we didn't have Emily up, John. I know you were there on the day. We didn't have our little superstar that we all hoped to see go and win the race. But Magical Lagoon was very good and take nothing away from Jessica Harrington. Uh, from Dusty Foley and from the connections of the horse because she won very well. Yeah, look, the, 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 I suppose some of the air came out of this race when Emily Upjohn, probably a lot of the air um, came out of it when, when she couldn't travel due to a, due to a bird strike, one, one of the other um, ex explanations slash excuses we've seen. But look, in fairness, what it lacked in, I suppose, obvious depth and quality, it, it made up for just a fabulous horse race, wasn't it? Like yeah. it, This is a very admirable filly. Because this is kind of twice now, I, I dare say, that like her battling 
ability is what proved to be the difference because geez, she's hardy she and hard. a toy came to her there and Ryan like his body language suggested that he was very happy and thought he'd go past and he was delaying engaging for as long as he could but when he did it, like I don't think Ryan's Philly laid down by any means but um, Magical Lagoon stood up and I really battled so it, it was clearly a source of um, uh, of great pleasure and for all involved um the, the the Yulong group and, and Mr. Zhang like has um like he's invested a huge amount into the game. He's, he's a huge enthusiast. He's pumped an awful lot of investment into Irish racing in particular. So um there was a lot of very happy people there for him. Um so and yeah, on she goes. Um like it'll be interesting to see where she goes, how high she goes, what they do with her trip wise. Um, but one thing for certain, wherever she goes, Hugo, she won't lack for fight and grit. No, she won't. And I, I think even afterwards, you know, the comments from uh, Shane Foley as well, TC suggested that, you know, she, she actually comes alive when she gets a horse upside her like that and, and just seems to kind of drive her into another gear, which uh, I, I don't always love to see in a horse, I have to say, because it just goes to show you, you know, they do, they, do, they do know what's going on, you know. Yeah, it's probably one, obviously one of the weaker classics. But yeah, I mean, she showed pretty determination. When Toy came to her um, and went past, I mean, she obviously Toy traded, uh, I think about twos on. I'm surprised it wasn't a lot shorter, actually. But yeah, of, um, very admirable performance by the winner. Um, I wouldn't be going near her for the, for the York, I think she's six to one for the Yorkshire Oats. And yeah, he bumped into some like free win there. I'd, I'd only be on one kind of horse there. But yeah, I mean, like, it's, like we all said, it's... Uh, very, very gutsy, Philly. Yeah, Vanessa, geez, I'd say, I tell you what, I know you're not a huge fan of the current. I'd say you'd rather win the current than cycling up those massive hills at the weekend, what? Yeah, I mean, I'd <laughs> rather have gone for a day's racing at the current for sure, but <laughs> we shouldn't be putting the two things in the same comparison group. As for the Philly, just very much what the boys said. I mean, it was, I think, you know, it's fair to say it was a classic and a group one in name only, really, yeah. given the horses that didn't show up. And, um, you know, it was a, it, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to get too excited about the horse, the race itself beforehand, or the horses that ran in the race. But having said all of that, the flip side of that coin is this mare probably doesn't get the recognition she deserves because of a the way she does it, she sort of toughs it out rather than does anything flashy. And then also what she's lined up against in this particular classic will be banded around as not good enough for. Um, for her to have lots of plaudits sent her way, essentially. But it's the old thing that, I mean, it's such a cliche and like it's become such a cliche because Aidan says it so much, but the Galileo's going through a brick wall for you. I mean, she is case in point of that, isn't she? She, she is. just doesn't know when she's beat and she tries really hard. And to be fair to her, she's doing everything right now. And But because of her profile and the lack of depth of this classic, she won't get the recognition she deserves. Having said all that, I also agree with what Tony says. I wouldn't be touching her against some of our mares in uh, Yorkshire Oaks or anything like that. No, I, I'm with you there. Um, but credit to the achievement in itself. I, I was really impressed with Little Big Bear, and maybe I'm getting carried away here, but I really like this two-year-old, Tony. I, I think even next year, if you're looking at the guineas, you know, I, I think he'll definitely stay in a mile. Uh, he obviously has a turn of foot as well, but he gallops straight through. I really like this, this two-year-old. Yeah, I mean, his previous Windsor Castle form was Frank by the runner, Rocket Rodney went on to win next time, very well in a listed company, but this was an, another level altogether. I mean, we're usually impressed by it, like you, you, um, you, you. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like the feature of the race, the feature of the race was how he was completely smashed up in their betting beforehand. I mean, he was like, it was, I think there was a bit of 10 to 11, maybe even money knocking around in the morning in a place. Just absolutely deluge your money for it. 
into two to five. I mean, that's serious kind of like money. Yeah. And he, he won like it was, you know, one by four and a half lengths. They're talking about the national stakes or maybe the Dewhurst. Um, I think, I'm not sure what the sportsbook are going for the guineas, but I think there's some 12s and 14s knocking around. And that seems a bit big because on the back of that performance, you know, he's going to be, if they go Dewhurst route, you know, he's going to be, you know, if he's even confirmed for that kind of race, um, I think you might be looking at single figures. Yeah, I mean, like you said, he's everything about the way he finished off his race, that was just an extended six. So I don't think them, they'll be coming back in distance for all he won the Windsor Castle over five. Mm-hmm. If they go up in trip, uh, the way he finished off the race, there's plenty more to come. Yeah, I'm, I'm like you, you. I was really, really impressed. So was I. I, mean, look, I think the one ped- the pedigree question, Kevin, obviously comes out. I think, is it no name ever? Which, which obviously, if you look at alcohol-free and a couple of the last two years, there is maybe a question mark about uh, about a mile trip for Little Big Bear, but on the evidence of what we saw at the racetrack, the way he galloped straight through that line, like he was only getting warmed up, Kev. I think, Jesus, I, I think a mile would be no problem too. Yeah, looking at say he'll have a great chance of getting it now because like Nona was a sprinter himself, but he has thrown like like very good horses over a mile and even further. You mentioned alcohol free, she's won a few group ones. Yeah. And, and I think just as his career kind of from now on with Nona Never, I think you'll find them as a group will stay better because really this this yeah, because this fella's from the first um expensively conceived crop of Nona Nevers. Um, yeah, and like there's, there's loads of stamina on his damn side, and like he would have just been paired with a whole heap of Galileo mares, kind of from um, whatever 2019 onwards. So I suspect you'll be seeing plenty that'll get a mile and, and well beyond it. And, and he'll be one, I'd say. Like, in fairness, like Aiden, like, but back in like you know, March, like Aiden was talking very big about this horse, um, publicly, and like he, he's very much delivered. Um, now I need to hammer it down a little bit because it, it looks almost a little bit too good to be true. But like the final time, and there is a question mark about the distance as well. But like the final time of this race was was faster than the scurry handicap over the same course and distance. Um, half an hour later, like that's that's a hundred rated older horse. Um, I'll be I'll be I'll be carrying a little bit more weight, but um, Jesus, like that, that, that reads yeah. well. <laughs> and uh, there's, there's sections to hammer down there, et cetera, but um, that's not what you'd expect. And uh, he obviously, the little big bear did it out by himself there for a long way in the closing stages. So um, yeah, he looks, he looks a real one. Um, where do they boot on for the Phoenix now or um, look for the national stakes? You know, all those options are there for him. And um, we'll touch on Blackbeard in the minute. I think Aiden's talking about keeping them apart for as long as he can. And yeah, I, I'd be as excited as you now, Hugh. Well, maybe I wouldn't be quite as excited as you, but I am excited about him. <laughs> Come on, Kevin, you're a sensible man. You're not quite as excited <laughs> as you. Let's well, just well, be I, honest. He didn't check the national or the Dewhurst. And I, if I'm, unless I, my notes are wrong, I mean, the, the dam's a mile two winner. So that obviously that's injected. Bit of stamina into the proceedings as well, so yeah, yeah I, but, uh, very hard to fault. Very hard, and I, Vanessa, I, I think this could be a proper one, not like the flaky native trail that wouldn't win a bag of crap this season. <laughs> I think that the big bear could go on to actually prove to be a decent horse, not promise all and give nothing. I wonder if we'll ever let you live down that ridiculously stupid. I stand by it. I stand by it. I stand by it. Uh, Okay, that's the sign of a madman. Can't even backtrack. Can't can't even find the reverse gear. But anyway, um, as for little big bear, yeah, look like how could you not be impressed with a performance like that? It was a bit like a piece of work. I mean, as the price suggested, it should be though. As as Tony's touched upon, um, you know, like he was clearly expected to go and do something very similar to what he ended up doing uh and you know the Windsor Castle form really does stack up and we know that he did that the hard way that day 
And this was a much easier contest, obviously. And he had a much more straightforward task on his hand, much more straightforward run through. And you couldn't help but be impressed. I mean, I'd, I'd want to see him up over a similar trip, if not further, as we would all look forward to seeing him over rather than them drop back in trip with him. Um, but like Kevin said, obviously they're going to keep him and their French winner apart for the time being. So it'd just be interesting to see how they di- they dissect that. But for me, um, even with that speedier sire, I definitely would be more, I'd be looking forward to seeing him up over further. Yeah, me too, me too. What I have here, Vanessa, Mr. Wagyu um, was very impressive as well. Taking a big pot of 100 grand in the handicap and on Saturday in the Curra. And it was great to see the horse come over, first of all. Fran Berry made an interesting point to me on the day, which was that he just thinks generally British handicap horses are more battle-hardened than the Irish ones because they run more often, they run against tougher races. And Mr. Wagyu was brilliant, putting the head down and doing what he did. And they left with, what, 70, 72,000 or something for the pot? It was great. Yeah, no, it adds a real bit to these sort of big field Irish handicaps when you see an English runner come over. Um, and it's obviously not something that John Quinn is afraid of doing. We've no. seen him in great group company with Safe Voyage in 2020, came over and won a group two El Astronaut they brought over in 2019. And he won the Rockingham handicap as well. Um, you know, this is just another example, just every... Every other season or nearly every season, John Quinn has a horse or or does something that reminds you just in case you've forgotten of what a top class trainer he is. Jumps all flat. Um, You know, they really can plot one. They can land a bit of a plan. They know what to do with a good horse. They just occasionally forget what good trainer he is. And for this horse, you know, he's just a tough, genuine, fast, he's exposed and he's a hardened handicapper. I think probably the extra half a furlong did help him. Um, but yeah, echo what Fran Berry said uh, in terms of those sort of hardened handicappers coming over to Ireland. Uh, it's something that has worked before in the past. There's examples of it, which I'm sure Kevin can probably expand upon more so than just the ones I've touched upon with John Quinn's own horses. But um yeah, look, it really adds something to me for those races. And I was pleased to see him come over and do it. And um, I don't know what he'll do back in the UK, but I think they might even have some more trips planned back over to Ireland for some of mm. their sprints further down the line. But um, no, things we love to see. John Quinn over in Ireland with an exposed handicap and taking a sprint. Love it. Uh, yeah, it, it just amazes me the more English horses aren't coming over, Vanessa, because like if you, if you look at the, the stats in this, and I would have done like for many, many years, and British trained horses coming into Irish Premier handicaps over five, six, and seven furlongs. Like it, like they they don't just win and run well. Like they dominate. Like it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah, I, uh, I remember like, you touching on this a little while, like a, a little, like maybe a couple of years ago. And I remember thinking, oh, I wonder if people will pick up on that. And it just hasn't. Like I don't know why. Yeah, I think Brexit has slowed it down. Because nobody, nobody reads Kevin's articles. That's why. Nobody. Yeah, reads I, I, I think I think Brexit <laughs> has probably slowed it down a bit. But honestly, I promise you, like, and I haven't laid it out publicly for a few years. But if you laid out the record of British trained sprint handicappers in Ireland, right? If that happened in reverse, if that was Irish horses going to England <laughs> and dominating to that extent, there would be yeah. protests on the street, and they would probably ban them all together from coming well, over. We, Kevin, honestly, we change, we change it, the handicapping system is what we do to make I, I, it I promise you, you it, it makes the record of Irish handicap herders at Cheltenham look just okay. Like <laughs> it, it's that dominant. Like it really, really is. It's freakish. Um, and they're allowed to come over and run over uh, almost all the time off their British marks. Like there's no, there's no big read having, up about it. Having said that, Kev, though, he's obviously people know must know about this because he wasn't missed in the market. 
Do you know what I mean? It's not for the, for the type of horse that he was and his record coming into the race. I thought he went off quite short. Quite yeah, short yeah, but it's just just back to English horses, lads. Back them all. If you make you know a new house built, if you're doing it for the last ten years. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. It's pretty to see. So well done to all concerned. Uh, TC is a Minzal. Your idea of a Betfair Sprint Cup prospect at ten to one from sixteens after the weekend. Um, it's got to be up there, isn't it? It's, I'm not sure about that. Obviously, it's normally very soft ground there, but although it was fast last year, um, I've got I've got a couple of others more in mind for that. But I mean, it, it was good to see Owen Burrows on a really good winning run. Four of his last six horses have won. Um, and after, obviously, the bad luck he had with Hookham, um, you know, it's good. To, he's only got a very small stream. Obviously, he lost a lot of the Shadwell horses. Um, so, yeah, it was... Um, it, it was good to see that horse win, and, and he won quite well in the end. It was a bit of a strange race. There's a, few, a couple of maybe a bit unlucky horses in there, but, um, yeah, he did it well. He did it well enough. But as for Group 1 plans down the line, well, he, he ran OK in the, the Group 1 at Ascot at the end of last season, beating a couple of legs by created force. I yeah. Probably would come up short in Group 1 company again. Yeah, um, what about... Yeah. What about uh, Blackbeard then yesterday, Kev, uh, in France? I don't know. Hard yeah. to get a handle on that, how good this horse is. I mean, he was well supported, obviously, but I don't know. I'm not, I'm not convinced, Phil. What do you think of him? No, he's, he's very, he's very good. I'd say, like, I think he's kind of been a surprise. Um, he, he's been a surprise to them as well. Like, but he, but he's kind of copped on as he's gained experience and started doing things properly. He wasn't as he can be a bit of a, a weirdo down at the start and what have you. I don't from one of the pictures I saw, he he seemed to behave himself a bit better yesterday. Um, and look, he was very good. Jumped out, made the run, and. In control a long way out um and look he's, he's a high level two-year-old um now you, you'd have the big bear in front of him i assume i know you i just wanted and the antarctic i'm just watching the close of the race here the antarctic is the horse i've seen a couple of times including at nice and that um the royal ascot trials day and, and he was okay but he hasn't really gone on since then i don't know just how strong that form is yeah they're they're written in contrast and fashion and i i, I like the antarctic as well now but yeah. uh, there was no yeah. doubt who, who the better horse on the day was and mm-hmm. yeah it should look at be fascinating to keep, see how he how he drives on because he seems to be getting better and better the whole time he's he's probably copping on and getting a bit more professional as he goes um by knowing never again um he's having you know that that big much 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 improved crop of two-year-olds is, is very much delivering in fairness to them and and he's just another one order of and, um, what, and what sorry and what kevin yeah. touches upon there with him uh pre-race if you haven't already seen the clip i think it's on racing tv's uh instagram page uh from a few weeks back of him bef- down at the start before was it his race before last kevin where he really yeah. misbehaved i mean it, it, i don't know about very you strange. I've, I've rarely seen a horse like if i don't think i've ever in fact seen a horse behave like that down at the start i mean he kind of like looks as though he's trying to put himself on the floor it's very odd behavior yeah. and um i i don't know why they do it it's not something i've got any experience of but it's extraordinary to watch and uh, you know you'd be hope. I mean, it, it might be interesting to watch, but you'd be hopeful that he does stop doing that because it can't be a good thing. I don't. Think yeah, the, on, the only thing I saw yesterday, and again now I, I may have missed something, but the only thing I saw he was kind of being a shade tricky going out on the track. But that was about it. Once he got out there, he, was, he seemed fine. But again, um, I don't know how how um, complete the pictures that we saw were. But he, he mm. definitely does seem to be getting better. Okay. Great, great. Um, okay, brilliant. That's almost it for the racing. Maybe Order of Australia, TC, we should mention yesterday, again at the car. I mean, look, he absolutely hosed in. Um, no, it's, say it's, say he's, obviously, he's a Breeders' Cup winner, good third in the Queen Anne, beating a long way, obviously, on his comeback. So, 
gives Baid another little nudge there. Um, like very well back, made all. He, you know, when he gets on the lead in that kind of company, in fact, he won the race last year, didn't he? Um, yeah, he's, he's clearly a very useful tool and he's, you know, he's a Breeders' Cup winner. So he is a Group mm. One horse, whether he's a premier Group One horse, you know, the, the Ascot one would suggest not these days, but yeah, he's a he's a pretty good tool when he gets uh, on the lead and an easy one. Excellent. Okay, listen, that's the racing kind of wrapped up. This time last week, we were talking about uh, the proposals that we, we knew were coming, I guess, in relation to the whip rules and the changes that were coming. Uh, they duly played out on Tuesday afternoon. Kev, look, I, I look, it's been kind of done to death in a way, and there's been a lot of discussion about it. People have their different views on the rights and wrongs of this. Interestingly, the Irish um, are paying no heed to what the BAJ are doing in this in regard to they're not going to change um, just because the BAJ have decided to make these changes, which is interesting in and of itself, but that's always been the case, I think. Uh, but just your your reaction to the rules as they came in on Tuesday and the reaction to them the last few weeks. Um, again, I find that a difficult one, Hugh, because look, if it, was up to, if it was up to me, you know, I wouldn't have any limit. You know, I think with the, with the modern stick, you know, if it's being used in the correct place and the horse is being given time to respond, if it's up to me, I, I let the, the jockey decide how much is appropriate to use it as long as it's been used correctly, because like it's long established that that stick doesn't hurt horses. Um, you know, that's the way I deal with it. But also you have to be, I suppose, aware enough of, of the wider world to, to know that that's probably not appropriate um, in this day and age. <laughs> And you just see the way the world is moving with, with animal-based pursuits. You know, you just you can't ignore all that. As much as you might disagree with it, you, you can't ignore it, or you're going to you're going to put yourself in a lot of trouble. You look at other racing jurisdictions, the way they're moving, they're all moving in this same direction. It's not just the BHA thing, which I think some um you know kind of deliberately characterize it that way to paint it as oh look what the BHA are doing now. But look around the world at what, what other jurisdictions are doing to stick. They've gone even further than the BHA in some cases in terms yeah, of Yeah, but what do you what what would you give to the, to the okay just on that Kev, how much weight would you give to the thought that if you keep making allowances and you keep pushing back the bar to satisfy people who will ultimately never be satisfied, which is they yeah, want racing yeah. scrapped altogether. If you keep giving way to them, you're going to end up in a situation where you've backed yourself into a corner and you've actually undone yourself. How do you feel yeah, about that? And I can absolutely see that. And I, I would have wheeled out a phase many, many times over the years that you can't appease the unappeasable. Yeah. Um, but, but I don't know how much of that is about, how much of this is about that. You know, I think it's about making it, it, it as palatable, palatable, palatable as possible to everyone. And look, in terms of the changes they've made, I'm, I, I'm not upset about them. You know, I think okay. backhand only, that's a thing for, that's a, a technical thing for, for jockeys to worry about in the main. Um, like if it was me, if I was going to put so much time into it and, and make such a hoopah about it, I would have made a DQ for any whip breach. Um, I would have maybe raised the limit a, a, by a couple of strikes and made a DQ for any breach because with all the changes they've made and all the, the fuss that they've created, there's, we're still going to be left with what is an unsatisfactory situation whereby um, a rider can break the rules, win by a nose and keep the race over one that, that stay within the rules. And that, that remain unsatisfactory. And I think in most people's minds, um, will the DQ thing ever really be a factor? We've touched on it last week. I don't think that rule is going to be broken. I don't think um, people are going to hit that threshold of 11 or 12 to test it. I just don't see it happening to you. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. I don't know. Okay. We'll, we'll have to wait until we see it in practice. Um, but I don't think that rule is going to be broken. In terms of the Irish reaction, it wasn't a surprise when the UK originally brought in their um, number-based limit. Um, the Irish authorities basically said, no, we've no intention of doing similar. And they eventually did. 
you know, it took them maybe, I don't know what it was, six or seven years to do so. And they, and they now have a numerical limit and maybe um, in a few years time, they'll, they'll do similar. Um, because I think the whip does probably need a look in Ireland because they brought in the numerical limit and the jockeys just haven't been very good at sticking to the rules. Um, there's like there's constantly whip breaches and significant ones as well. Um, and some senior jockeys have just constantly been breaking the rules and totting up. Um, and look, it, it, it's fairly simple to me, Hugh. If the rules are constantly being broken, your punishments clearly aren't sufficient. So you either believe in your rules or you don't. And if you believe in them, you need to be raising the punishments so that they're adhered to. Okay, just briefly, Tony, on without straying too far off topic, Ryan Jones over the weekend. I saw the horrific story. He's been diagnosed with early onset dementia from the Wales International. It's got six children. It's absolutely horrendous. But I guess World Rugby, in relation to uh, protocols around head injury and concussion and protection, they have had to constantly reassess where they're at to protect the players in the game. Horse racing equally feels like it has a responsibility to constantly update its own rules to protect participants, both jockeys and horses here. So can you understand why they're continuing to move in this direction. Yeah, I can, but I don't think you can underestimate how unhappy the jockeys are with this. Um, I did a piece with Nico de Boinville uh, last week. I read it, I read it, yeah, I read it. And he would be a very measured person. Um, he wanted to do a little piece. He didn't go overboard, but he, he was just really disappointed in the BHA. He kept on saying about the grey areas, about um, how this presents and how they haven't been strong enough. Yeah. Um, I, I had a preliminary track with Ryan Moore as well um, last week, and it was a long one as well. I just thought he was going to have a quick five-minute chat with regards to a possible future column. Um, and he was on the phone for an hour about it. I mean, I was taking notes throughout and literally went to five, six pages. You know, my arm was falling off at the end of it. Um, I think he's very, I think he's, he's pretty unhappy about it. Um, I won't go into it now because obviously, hopefully I'll, well, down the line, we'll get a column out of it. But the one thing that really struck me is he said, the biggest problem with a whip is the whip itself. Um, you know, he's, he's he wouldn't be, by the sounds of it, and a lot of the old jockeys, um, he thinks the actual pro-cush, and I hate that phrase, it's it's so, the people who use that are so insecure. I mean, like, it's, but you like to say, if you speak to somebody outside of racing, what's a pro-cush? It's a whip. So why are you calling it the progress? It's kind of like it's so insecure. I wanted to call it the spanky bottom, but they wouldn't do that. But yeah, it's like it's, it's like I said. I think a lot will. I think a lot will happen. But by the time of the uh, in the bedding in period in August, it wouldn't surprise me if we see some changes to this. As yeah. I said on last week's show, the time scale of actually you know actually counting all these, especially in national hunt racing. Um, you know, even big field handicaps when the play source in the winner plays. I, I just think I really don't know. They haven't really thought this through. Um, I, I think there, I think there could be some pretty major changes before this actually comes in. But I, I just, I, I suspect there's a lot of dissent in the jockeys' ranks, and I think Richard Hughes underlined that in the Sky Sports Racing racing debate yesterday when he used some pretty fruity language like fannying around and crap, etc. Now, I like I said, it's I, I haven't personally got a massive issue with it, but um, but the participants seem to have. Vanessa, was there any kind of talk just to move it on a little bit um, on the boycotting of the race, the last race in Newbury, that Finneries race for um, I don't know what was the sixth prize money, six thousand or something like that? It seemed to be an orchestrated move, obviously, to get the race uh, boycotted, cancelled. It worked yesterday. Um, we had a situation where there were eight meetings, fifty-four races, thirty-four races with seven runners or less. 
And again, on the back of these recent proposals to cut the number of fixtures to try and shore up the amount of horses we have running in races, which were voted against by the very bloody body that proposed them in the first place. And what is the reaction of even amongst um, the cycling fraternity of horse racing people over the last few days? Did they mention anything during this or were you too busy trying not to be sick going up steep hills? I say, did we mention anything about race planning and politics? Absolutely bloody not, Hugh. I was literally just focusing on pushing the pedals down <laughs> and not dying in front of racing What people. do you think about these new new <laughs> Yeah, no, Harry Skelton didn't just cycle upside me and start talking about the race fixture list. Like, honestly. What do you think um, of the pedestrianisation of Norwich City Centre there? <laughs> <laughs> honestly. There was, Geo- geopolitical can, situation in the Middle East? Yeah, <laughs> I can safely what? say there was none of that discussion on this bike ride and other discussions that were had in the dead of night were definitely not to be repeated on a bloody podcast so that was that okay um but no uh in all seriousness i didn't see that coming at all i went on twitter i hadn't heard anything about it, it wasn't like well for me personally i didn't hear any rumors of that boycott happening or any any i didn't hear anything about it beforehand i saw it on twitter and i was quite surprised and shocked and then read about it and then obviously rave beckett comes out and does his whole spiel um but you know it's just not an ideal situation of course we all understand the point they were trying to make but it's a bit embarrassing that that's the way in which we have to they they think as trainers they have to go about to prove their point it's just such a mess I'm, you know, I'm never going to have the solutions to this, but we just like the base level thing is we need less racing. We just need less racing and, and more prize money as a result. We tried to get less racing and everyone's up in arms. There's too many people and nobody to make the decision. It's just a complete mess. And the only thing I can say is, yeah, just these sort of moments of, uh, you know, sh- strikes, boycotting, whatever you want to call it. It no one, no one's covering themselves in glory. No one comes yeah. out of that looking good. It's just an embarrassment for everyone. It's an embarrassment for the race course, and it's an embarrassment for the trainers. It's an embarrassment for if we if we're in the industry trying to explain that to a wider audience. What's happened here? Oh well, we're all so childish. There's not enough prize money, and so we haven't declared any runners. It just that it looks so yeah pathetic. I think on my from my point of view, but I at the same time I completely understand why it was done. The trainers felt like they were backed into a corner, so yeah. they decided not to declare anything. But the bottom line is, it's just less than ideal. Yeah, I, do. I, I, I don't think people realise just how much trouble British racing is in and like how utterly broken the model is. Like, yeah. they, and they, this was just another another warning signal, like that it's going to reach a reckoning day. Like, you know, for people that just focus on racing, and I suppose the, that, that probably accounts for the majority of our um, listeners, you know, they'll see the signs, you know, they'll see the, the tiny feels you know, the uncompetitive racing, they'll see that and they'll see just how kind of stark that is. But for those that are kind of, that pay attention to the bloodstock side and the breeding side, like you just, you wouldn't believe just how stark the situation is at the minute and what's going, what's going to happen as bad as it is now, how much worse it's going to get. Because we have a situation there where there's a couple of countries in the Middle East that have like really ambitious plans to expand their their, their number of race courses, their race programs, you know, and, and the, the countries that that are that are in such stronger positions that than us, you know, in the Middle East, America, 
Australia, um, Hong Kong, like they're all, they're, they're not just kind of sitting on their leads. They're all competing with each other. Like I'm writing about this for the season. So I have the numbers in front of me, like Hong Kong there a couple of months ago, right? One of the most lucrative racing nations in the world. They announced an 11.5% increase in their mm-hmm. prize money for the coming season, right? That lifts the pot up to over 200 million euros equivalent for 88, for 88 fixtures. Like they don't race much. <laughs> and they, yeah. you know what the reason they said they increased was, quote, we are facing increased competition to source good horses due to price money increases around the world, especially Australia, which is the main source of our bloodstock. The popularity of overseas racing syndicates, which are less willing to sell horses, as well as the highly competitive power from Gulf countries, are making the issue harder. Hong Kong are stressing about competition for horses in the position they're in. Like, imagine there if you got their frank thoughts on what's going on in British racing. You know, in today in the TDN, uh, Phil D'Amato, a trainer in America, right? Here's a quote for He buys a lot of horses in the UK and Ireland. Here's a quote from him. Right now, with prize money in Ireland and England, especially in such palliative care, the overseas market is ripe for plunder. Many smaller outfits in particular are relying more and more on the selling of their young stock to keep the bloodhounds from snapping at their heels. Lads, our racing industries are going to get strip-mined of horses they were it's happening right now you go to the, i was at the july sale in newmarket a couple of weeks ago horses with, with middle of the road ratings making loads of money and being shipped off abroad that's we you think things are bad now fields are small now and we need fixer cuts now wait until this gets worse and it's only Tony, how can worse. how can they oh. not see what's coming down the road I, how can they not realize what's happening in front of their but, own this is what Kev said has been underlined on Monday morning, where it's, it transpires that Thesis has been bought to race this, the uh, Britannia, Britannia winner to race in Hong Kong, owned by Judmont. Not just some kind of like the owner, a smaller owner who's got lucky. I mean, if the likes of Judmont are selling their horses, you know, to, to Hong Kong, you know, it's that alone should be a massive wake up call. You've got the fourth in that way, who put 50 in you, that's been sold to Hong Kong as well. I mean, Britannia has always been uh, a race where they try to uh, buy horses from. It's always been the case. A lot of horses there. But that's a real issue. I mean, I've got, I got a little bit of sympathy with Newbury. I and mean, it is lessened by the fact that you, you go through some of their prize money in the past. I mean, I mean, someone pointed out to me the other day that Frankel won less than 100 grand for winning um, the Lockinge uh, 10 years ago. Uh, um, but, you know, Newbury have made some kind of effort. Now, you know, Baid won double that when winning the lock-ins this year. And you have a look at, they have made some kind of like progress um, on the jumps as well. I mean, I was looking at um, the Chalo hurdle. It's always been a very, very lowly, uh, you know, prize money for a, for a grade one. You know, they their prize money 23 grand to 34 grand this year. But, I mean, obviously, Newbury have got a really, really bad reputation for prize money. Um, they take a lot of money out in, um, they, they pay their dividend to shareholders three million, you know, in, in the last 20, uh, last 12 months. So, you know, they have taken a lot out, but they are, they are kind of making some strides there. But what, one thing that really, really kind of has always puzzled me, nobody talks about the prize money at Cheltenham or Royal Ascot. It's shocking, yeah. It, 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 really, I mean, if you're talking about a six and a half grand for a novice filly at the end of the card at Newbury, just have a look at this. I mean, the sand, uh, there were three handicaps on the Friday. Uh, they all worth just 51 grand to the winner. And we're talking Royal Ascot here. You look at Cheltenham, 
Uh, Martin Pipe, 39 grand to the winner. And I, my eyes popped out of my head when I looked at the pr- winning prize money for the Hunter Chase at, at Cheltenham at the festival, 24 grand. So this isn't just a Newbury scenario. This is, I mean, you are. John Green picked up, John Green picked yeah, up 72,000 euro, yeah, yeah, on Saturday. But that, but Tony, those examples you've just reeled off is a, is, that they they're examples of the wider issue at, with British racing of that we are training on our reputation and the history and the prestige of British racing essentially and those tracks are doing the same you know they're allowed to get away with that sort of prize money because we just sort of gloss over it because it is Royal Ascot and everyone wants a Royal Ascot or a Cheltenham winner and it's the same issue in British racing throughout I personally feel that we still think we're going to be the best because historically we you know like we have the Derby the biggest flat race in the world or the Gold Cup or the Grand National whatever it might be so we trade on prestige and history to get us through and eventually that's not going to work anymore that's just yeah, not I mean, going to cut mad. you're better off by, if you were talking about prize money you're better off bypassing Cheltenham and winning a two mile handicap hurdle on the on the on the, on the uh, sand and on the Saturday previously or yeah, the, the more battle counts so more prize money yeah. than the county hurdle yeah Exactly. Same attitude, same attitude uh, that, that led to Brexit was a good idea. But, oh, but, but do, do you know where this is going to end up, Hugh? When we talked about this before, I kind of made mention of that it's going to take something because it's so broken and the, like the, the cracks are so deep that what, what it's going to take to actually fix British racing like is something really disruptive. And since we last talked about that, what, what have we seen in the wider in the wider sporting world? Live golf comes up. Yeah. And and that's a situation where with the existing golf infrastructure, I don't think could be described as broken. By all accounts, it's in pretty it's good not. shape. But, yeah. you know, you have a situation here with British racing where it is so broken that if someone was of a mind to come in with the means to come in and, and go to war and do something really disruptive, how many trainers or owners are going to take a, an ethical stand or, or a moral stand and say, oh, no, that doesn't race it for five times more prize money than we do now? No, I don't think that's for me. Every, they would, they'd, be, they'd be jumping on board before the, uh, before, before the door even opened. I can see that no, happening. No, I mean, no sport, no sport has themselves on the back while we got record crowds here. You only got re- record yeah. crowds there because you got madness in the evening. It's got nothing to do with the 32 runners you had on the card. Yeah. It may as well have been yeah. donkey derbies, literally. Yeah. 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 And, um, okay, just before we go on to our listener questions then, um, who was the miserable git in Kilbegan Racecourse that decided charging 150 for bottles of water on the hottest day of the year for stable staff who have to walk a considerable distance with the horses up the back the day was a good and proper thing to do? Who is the Scrooge McDuck that we're going to call, call out here? In call him out, Kevin. What's call his name? Out. Paddy Donigan. <laughs> Paddy Donigan, is it? Paddy Johnny, yeah, yeah, you should be ashamed of yourself. Ashamed yeah, of yourself. Yeah, this this was this was quite a situation there last week because uh, racing was actually delayed by about half an hour because the, the stable staff felt so strongly about this that they actually pro- had a protest, uh, an impromptu protest. Um, so I think what, what <laughs> the way it panned out was the, the to get to the stable yard, to get from the stable yard and, and lead a horse up to the parade ring at Kilbegan, it, it's literally about half a mile and uh, the weather was very warm, etc. And the, the stable staff were being asked to pay, I think, uh, one euro fifty, which was apparently uh, inverted commas discounted rate for a small bottle of water, um, which seems like Jesus really, Christ. really wild thing to do. 
and when you can go into to Lidl there and get a get a big massive bottle of water for a little get a big massive bottle of water for 50 cents I believe don't um, they have taps don't they have taps at Kilbegan one would oh, hope they would cool. yeah it, it seemed an incredible situation. I wasn't there. I didn't see it with my own eyes. But when when it gets to the point where stable staff who put up with plenty on every day of the week, when they feel so strongly about it, the protests and delay racing like that. that and, tends and it's to... not the first time Kilbegan has been drawn a spotlight for, for, for some of the rubbish that they serve up in regards to food and whatever. So, I mean, look, get your house in order. It's like charging people for water. You know, on one of the hottest days of the year, like we're in a bloody heat wave here. It's just, it's beyond belief. Anyway, look, yeah, you, can never, was... you can never underestimate some people's stupidity. This yeah. is a good example. Fireworks at the Derby is another example. <laughs> just never, ever underestimate it. Yeah. The, only, the only good thing is they were charging ginger people uh, three euros because they needed it more than the normal people. Yes, yeah, we do. <laughs> That's absolutely correct. <laughs> it takes a while. It takes us a while to take on that water. Right, listen to questions then. Um, thank you as always to everyone who responded to uh, Tony's shout out for questions last night. And um, Craig, will we cover this with when are we going to stop pandering to the anti-whip racing brigade? Racing people clearly know that the whip doesn't hurt. The general public, however, don't. The issue, therefore, is education. Does anyone actually believe these new regulations will appease the anti-whip brigade? Well, they won't, Craig. It as won't. said, you can't appease the unappeasable. It's quite funny. Like I don't think there was like a big public campaign to to bring about this review like i think this was very much an internal thing and uh, you know call it insecurity if you will but like i don't I, i've never seen any any protests out in the street about the use of the whip and racing well, i think and, the vast majority of people couldn't care less but then and kevin case in point of that is that only two thousand people did the survey and that includes the people within our sport let yeah. alone so it means about four people outside of our sport actually did the survey which sums up how many people care about this but it's been well covered it's a perception yeah. issue not a welfare issue etc etc one of yeah. the big things is education i you know if i if if i had any could pull any rank with broadcasters i'd be saying you know we need to invest some time and some money into do, be doing a 15 piece a 15 minute a 5 minute vt let's say on the whip right and how it's yeah. used why we use it how it's been designed call it a pro kush call it what you like we should be doing an educational piece on that and for me and this will go down really badly ITV racing should be playing it out on the biggest days. They should play that out on Grand National Day, Gold Cup Day and Derby Day, right? And yes, other people will roll their eyes and say, why would you focus on the whip on a big day like that? Well, because of the situation we're in now, we have to educate the uneducated on why we carry a whip. As simple as that. If Sky Sports Racing did that piece, give it to all the racetracks and they can play it on their in-house in the house exactly. TV, but when all the before yeah. racing and stuff like yeah. that yeah okay. yeah for for me it's like I, I think like i wouldn't even do that you know because you know itv million plus viewers big days like I, I wouldn't even draw attention to it like that i'd have like my thing has always been have stalls of the races and the bhj trilet i think at one stage i saw one myself where it just gives people the opportunity to pick one up and give it a whack you know i think that that'll put most people's minds at ease but um okay. yeah on we go Lovely. Shawnee McCarty says, is there a bigger fire from an organisation than the BHA? So many issues ongoing, such as field prizes, prize money, interference laws and stupid bans. Uh, though the geniuses at the BHA think the whip is the biggest issue. Priorities from clueless people all wrong. Yeah. yeah. On to interference Shawnee. now, lads. Be calm. Let's get it yeah. sorted out. Come on. You're not allowed to there, do it. Uh, Dave Brown says, these animal welfare groups are a funny bunch, aren't they? Can't say they're... Uh, 
sense of humor is the primary feature that I focus on. But anyway, they complain about horses getting encouraged by a pro cushion whip. But when the National Hunt horses are running in 29 degree heat, you don't hear a dicky bird. By the way, the fact that National Hunt horses are even running at all in this weather is wrong for me. Yeah, well, obviously, yeah, hor- horses have um, horses have incredible internal cooling systems in terms of like their, their physiology. So I wouldn't it's not as hard for them as this for us, I don't think. Um, Glenn Watkins on what we we're just talking about at Newbury says trainers getting together to boycott races is not a good look for the sport as usual the race goers suffer although admittedly most were there for the music on this occasion is this going to be a regular occurrence with trainers doing a DIY race club well look I mean obviously as we just discussed there they clearly felt they were backed into a corner they didn't have any other option and they have I, I've heard you know Ralph Beckett and a few of them say on a few occasions that you know this is an issue it's it's always going to be around to me. Um, so, you know, clearly they felt they had no other options but to do this. So, I mean, I don't I don't really take a stand. Listening to him speak to Ronnie Bell on ITV at the weekend, I think we could get more of this. Uh, he yeah. gave a heavy hint that they are, they may well pursue this. But if you're going to do it, be even-handed with it. You know, don't rock up to Royal Ascot. Don't rock up to Cheltenham. Yeah. Well, Ed says, why do race courses hold so much power when they contribute very little, unlike owners and punters? But I guess if there's nowhere to race them, Ed, you know, you can have as many horses and punters if you like. If you don't have anywhere to race the horses, then uh, you really don't have a sport. But I don't know. Do they have a, an abnormal sense of power in, in these things? I don't, I don't know. Got all the meteorite money, haven't they? And obviously, yeah. that's the, the, the big dispute with the race courses is how much percentage of the meteorites money are they putting back into prize money? I think mean, Newbury, uh, obviously, they, they publish their accounts. And I think it was like, 4.3 million in, in, in media rights, but only 1.5 million in prize money. And I think that's where the likes of Beckett and the likes are coming from. They just want more transparency for all causes about where that money's going and where it's being yeah. kept. Bradley Limo says, Hi lads, I often hear TC or Dan saying they fancy uh, a horse of 25s or 33s on the pod, but then say win only. And surely you'd be better off backing each way, or am I missing something? By the way, this podcast is so good, it has converted me to watch flat racing. Well, Jesus, Bradley, if you've started taking interest in flat racing, we have done our job. TC, explain hey, yourself. Right. Why not? Very, why not very briefly, way? it's all to do with the profile of the horse. Some horses are win-only blowout or win merchants, given their profiles. It's all about the shape of the race. It's all about the numbers. It's all about the each-way terms. Uh, yeah, so that's there's no... There's no succinct answer but it's all of those yeah. factors put into one put into one okay good stuff Brian Buddle says um, with falling crowds of concern why don't the group or grade one of courses take a leaf out of Ripon amongst others and have picnic areas eight pounds to get in bring your own food and drink instead of eight pounds a pint yeah I like it Greedy, I would yeah. say. Greed. greed, greed, human greed, Brian, human yeah. greed. John Max says, how can jockeys be restricted to one meeting but are able to fly abroad to ride on the same day? This is this is a really, really good question because he means Tom Marquand, who, who rode at Newbury, mm. then flew over to ride Mos- My Prospero uh, in, I think, Song Clue the same night on Saturday. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's a curious one. Um, I, I did ask somebody, but they haven't got back to me yet. I'm okay. assuming. Right, we'll, I don't know we'll, what. We'll try, we'll try and get back to you, um, maybe even on Twitter, if you don't deal with it next week. Uh, but thanks for the question, John. Um, Gary DC says, will global, will global warming be the best administrator for <laughs> racing? Meetings reduced due to ground too firm and weather too hot. Overwatering stopped. I don't think I don't think I think we're quite there yet. But uh, yeah, I guess. You know, I, I, I do now. If, if we want to get into the, the realm of, of anticipating what racing might look like in thirty years, you know, I, I genuinely could see like a way more all weather track, a lot less tracks in general, 
and way much bigger emphasis on all weather racing, just because it just makes a lot more sense in, in many ways in terms of the consistency of the surface and the, the, the amount of um, the amount of maintenance it requires, etc. I could see the world moving that way, uh, which I know w- would probably be to to the detriment of the, the sports character, etc. But uh, you know, money this, mo- this money talks. Good. Does your vision for the future include those all weather meetings being behind closed doors with no crowds? You know, genuine, genuinely during the week. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, all right. Um, Ed B wants to know, why aren't there better options or programs for seven furlong horses at the top level? Recently, the likes of One Master, Two Darn Hot, Pinatubu and Space Blues were better over seven furlongs. Caribas, Perfect Power, Alcohol Freak and Easy Race at seven. Intriguing to see Milers and Spinders mix it up over seven, but there are no group... Ones. What what's uh, the only the only group one race over seven furlongs? Or yeah, love that. Uh, for a Morris to yeah. East over six and a half. Yeah, and uh, most most seven furlong horses go to the group two Lennox, don't they? Yeah, uh, ironically, yeah. you have I think I think four group twos over seven furlongs in the space of about like five weeks there. And um, the Lennox, the park, the city of York, and, and something else. Yeah, just it's very strange. <laughs> very odd. Um, Stephen wants to know what owners are the worst for naming horses, <laughs> in your opinions. For me, it's definitely King Power Racing. They have some terrible names. Coolmore have some bad ones too, with the likes of Unless and Toy. Well, I mean, they say they're good ones for the good ones, right? I mean, you know, Toy. If you have to name a hundred horses a year, yeah. Like it's not straightforward. People would love to name a horse. Give, I'll give you a hundred to name in the year and see how you get on. Now, it's, um, try to keep brought, the standards up. Then <laughs> it's it's it's, um, it's brought me back to. Do you remember? Uh, I think it was 2014 when the BHA stopped Marwen Kukash for naming any more horses Gabriel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It came into my head and I googled the story. I think it was about eight years ago, and obviously kicked off about it because he's got this Gabriel's a son, isn't it? Everyone was Gabriel this, Gabriel that, and they said no, enough's enough. So Kukash yeah. would be the answer to that question. Right. Okay, <laughs> Kukash, good stuff. Um, Colin Reynolds says, where, where can you place a, um, a place five bet and a place six bet? Dividends for the best bets are shown on BBC Racing results. Last race, full result. TC, can you... Can you uh, uh, I asked Jamie Hart of the tote. He said it's not one of his. So okay. I, don't know what, uh, I don't know what he's smoking, but I, yeah. I couldn't find it. Offered that bet. Not even the tote would. <laughs> no, I can't find it anywhere. Dylan Brathwaite says, why aren't there any novice races on the flat in Ireland? Surely if some of the multiple maidens that are on each Irish flat car are turned into novice races, it'd be easier for one race to, once raced two-year-olds to continue their development and go straight into stakes company. Kevin? Yeah, you'd love to see more. And, and there is more. They have more winners of ones, median auction winners of ones. The problem with Ireland is I don't think they'd work as well as they do in the UK because in the UK, there's just an endless amount of maidens and an awful lot of horses that win them like aren't good enough to carry a penalty yeah. in a novice, so it works. Whereas in Ireland, if you win a maiden, like we're generalizing, but the, the, the general standard of a maiden winner will be way higher than in the UK, and plenty of them would be well capable of carrying a penalty and winning. Um, and before you know it, those novices, those those novices in Ireland would be small field affairs and, and wouldn't be what you'd like them to be. I'm speculating. I'd love to see more than, like I say, because it's tricky when you win the maiden sometimes yeah. and you have to go straight into the stakes company. But I think that's the kind of the practical reasoning why it doesn't happen more. 
Great. Dejour says, considering the dearth of recent of decent racing yesterday, wouldn't it make more sense for York to switch their Magna Cup meeting to the weekend? Just gone. It sure would. It absolutely would. But sure, if it makes sense, the chances of it happening are slim to none. So, okay, no. <laughs> Go figure. Exactly. Um, Alex Bunning <laughs> says, yeah. It's Alex funny because it's true. <laughs> funny because it's true. Alex Bull says, unlimited funds, what living dam and sire would you currently choose for a potential superstar? Uh, well, know. Frankel and... Is magical is magical um, in full, Kevin? Is magical? Uh, she'd be she'd be there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but ma- yeah. frankly, magical for me. That's my. That would that would, 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 would work would work though. Yeah, it would but be not, a little bit close. I think. Yeah. Don't mind the eyes going too close to the face. Yeah. The way Jim Bolger Jim Bolger ran a horse there recently that was two by two inbred to uh, Galileo. I think <laughs> just ex- yeah. wow. which is extremely close. Okay. Very close. <laughs> Sounds like an excellent neighbor. Jennifer Lopez. That's what I'll go for. <laughs> I, I just got back just, together. They can they can lock horns again and knock out one for us. Lovely, I'd lovely. go to I'd go to the absolute like unoriginal classic and just take Urban C and Sadler's Wells and have a they're Galileo. Dead. They're dead. They're yeah, dead. Living. A, it's, 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 it's living. Is that yes. a Necrophiliacs got no place on this Frozen embryos and all that kind of stuff. Come on, you've all seen Jurassic Park. Anything's possible, lads. Anything's possible. Mark, your kid says, how does the BHA actually calculate handicap marks? It seems strange that show respect to a second in the July stakes went up 14 pounds to 103 for being beaten one and a quarter lengths by Persian force. If the horse had finished four and a half lengths behind him, only went up one pound to a mark of 88. I looked at this, it fascinated me. And I'm telling you now, the the horse that finished a six length six to Persian force, it's a horse called King's Crown. It only got raised a pound from 87 to 88, beating six lengths. Compared to all the other horses around it, that's a very, very well handicapped horse. So that's a yeah. really good spot. Adrian Nichols is King's, King's crown. But they don't Thank pick you. the numbers out the sky. They do have a system. There is maths to it. Yeah, like six, six lengths, you know, is yeah. an awful long way. Like a, yeah, exactly. Captain Turner, they so they yeah. raised by Eid three pounds for that Queen Anne win. Yeah, no, that was a, that was a, an odd one. <laughs> Unfortunately, all of Australia's come out and pissed up in the group two under a penalty. So perhaps there you go. There you go. There you go. Logic behind everything. Last question then for S. Pedro says, are the vast number of people tipping for a living on Twitter, websites, other media, actually putting people off getting interested in betting on the sport? Obviously, 90% plus have to be poor, so are just making a living yeah look if you're being serious murky world it's a murky world if you're just being if you're being serious just do your homework insist on a profit and loss that's been verified yeah. by documented a f- yeah, f- because f- jesus f- there is an awful lot of fly-by-nights on, on social media isn't there like really bad yeah. like or, and, or yeah. mr s Pitt, you could just tune into racing only better every week where you are guaranteed excellence and top performance I was from say, that's, what, that's what he's referring to yeah, yeah, Dan anyway, the other two, the other two louts we're thinking about getting rid of, but sure, look, we'll see what happens. We're, we're feeling generous. We won't make any rash decisions given the heat. It's 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 clouding our brains. <laughs> Guys and girls, thank you so much to Kevin, to Tony, and to Vanessa. Thank you to everyone who sent the time, uh, the questions in as well. We are back at Racing Only Better on Thursday. What a weekend it should be next weekend. Oh my god, Mistriff, oh. uh Westover, Emily. News Upshot. just in. Oh. News just in. There's six in the King George at the five day stage. Oh, come on, you King George. It's way not a pleasure. Hopefully, no, hopefully two or three of them don't get sold to Hong Kong in the meantime. <laughs> quality, quality over quantity, is that what you always say? My thanks to the guys. Uh, we are back, as I said, racing any better on Thursday. Stay tuned for that and have a wonderful week in the glorious sunshine.